Hi, if I could take a moment of your time before we start, if you've enjoyed previous episodes or if you enjoy this episode, if you could subscribe on the platform that you listen to, that would be really helpful. It helps us get more guests and push the podcast forward. Thanks. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi everyone, welcome to the Car Chat Podcast. Uh, we've we had a technical glitch, so we're actually doing this first couple of minutes for the for the second time. But um, I'm here with David Lane. Hello, hi. How's it going? <laughs> I know you're good because you said that earlier. You were good. So uh. <laughs> this is uh, interesting. Uh, well, I'm going to have to rewind my brain. But can you tell the audience a little bit about sort of who you are and what you do? Yes, no problem. So. Um, uh, our little business is uh, Osher Automotive and Workshop 77. We've probably had, I suppose, a bit more traction with Workshop 77 in certain areas, um, but um, we're making more of a concentration now on the Osher Automotive side. We're in our new premises, which are new, 18 months old now, um, but um, new to us. And um, and it meant that, you know, it was a, it was a good reason to change the business and uh, and try and focus on what we were doing. So we, we build... On the Osher side, we build um, uh, a, a bit of a no compromise type project product that we have, uh, concentrating on the 911s, which we've had various bits of traction with, and cars that I love. And the other iconic car we're dealing with is uh, is Defenders. So um, uh, that's on that's on the Osher automotive side. On the Workshop 77 side, we still continue to have a bit of fun, hot rod cars, do some stuff, uh, you know, uh, car stuff, man, car culture. And when we last spoke, so those of you who've, if you've not come across David or, or the associated Osher or Workshop 77, we did a podcast a while ago. I'll put it in the show notes. We sort of run through a bit of David's journey, um, to getting here and, and starting the business and whatnot. And last time I think we were on the podcast, we, we speak every now and then in the middle. So sometimes I disconnect from what we've talked about on the podcast and what yeah. we talked about in real life. But I know at the time when you were, you were running into, this is when you were in the old building with the workshop 77, you were doing lots of projects for lots of different people. And it was all kind of, I think, feel like possibly getting a bit complicated. Yes. Um, and the Osh side was sort of growing, but was kind of a smaller part. And I feel like you're now shifting more towards that. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. We were, not only did we have a lot of projects on, but we were, we were doing a lot of sort of prototype type projects. Um, so the development was happening on the customer's car as mm. they were specking these things, you know, they were coming up with various ideas, engine swaps, gearbox swaps, et cetera. And, um, 
we didn't have, uh, we, there was no sort of prototyping that was done apart from with the client. So if any issues developed, et cetera, they had to be pretty understanding and go, well, look, we've just done, you know, 1500 miles in this car and we're finding this is an issue in summer now, yeah. um, overheating or whatever it is. And, uh, and, you know, they'd need to then bring it back and do all of that. Whereas now with Osher Automotive, we're able to do all the development on our own cars. Um, so this LT1 swap that we're doing with the eight-speed auto into the Defenders, and we've we've had it on a on a mule chassis. We've run it around. We've done over 500 miles driving around our lovely Northamptonshire pothole ro- roads, and um, we know that it works. So um, so that sort of takes that that stress away from it. We now know what works and, uh, and what doesn't, and we can develop the product ourselves so that it, it does work and function properly right out the can. And how have you picked the various cars that you've done? Because I know you've done. The 911s. You've done yeah. all sorts of different We've cars. We've done all sorts, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, how do you pick the cars? Well, now, now, I mean, you know, I, I grew up driving Landys, so I love them. You know, the first time I was driving them, I was probably 10 or 12 years old on the farm in Botswana. We still use them. We've got two Series 2As on the farm. We use them for wildlife conservation, which for me was always a massive passion and continues yeah. to be. And um, I'm sort of trying to pass that on to my little boy who's six now and he's been out to South Africa twice uh, total for about six weeks of his life, but he tells everybody uh, at his school that he's he's South African. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they can't sort of work it out. But um, yeah, so he obviously loves it too. So for me, um, yeah, the Land Rover is very iconic. But Porsches, I've always loved. We've had some traction with them. We've built some nice cars. People have appreciated those cars. We've got customers that own some of those cars now and use them uh, fairly frequently, and they love them. And um, for me, yeah, it's it's a no brainer. You know, um, Land Rovers built just up the road, something I grew up driving and we think we can engineer it pretty well. And, uh, and then Porsches, you know, shit, what's not to like about a Porsche? So especially yeah. classic Porsches. <laughs> Preaching to the choir. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The only problem is, of course, that obviously I think a lot of people feel that way because, you know, technically I suppose there's a lot of competition. There's, there's so many people doing Porsches and Landys. Well, you know, what else is there? Um, a couple of people doing Minis, a couple of people doing BMs, really, kind of, yeah. maybe, Mercs maybe, but... Um, but, um, you know, so that's, I suppose, the problem. But, uh, yeah, we wanted to build something that was our own design that worked and engineered with engineered well and works well and uh, it's fun to drive. And the sort of cynical possible listener or person reading going, okay, you've done, you do some 911s, you've done a few different other things. Mm. Why would someone come to you when you sort of spread yourself out, you do a few different things, you do a bit of this, bit of that, and when they're like, well, this company just does 911s. Yeah, well, um, I mean, I suppose we are starting to focus that. I, you know, we've been through an evolution. I, I'd say that we're probably at version three of ourselves, really. Yeah. You know, we started out, it was just a bit of fun, and it meant that we could do the jobs ourselves, and I could do them at trade rates, even on my own cars, because because I had been paying retail rates pr- yeah. prior to that. And um but, you know, we've, we've learned from mistakes we've made along the way and we, we evolved slightly. We moved into some new premises out of the original Workshop 77 and into yeah. Building 14 and and, uh, and that changed and we changed a few times through that and now we're in our own premises and, um, you know, we're, yeah, version three or even maybe even four. Um, and um, we're, we're concentrating on these two, I suppose, initially because there's no way I can leave the Porsches behind. We started with the 911s, we yeah. had the engines. I got the guys working for me, understand the engineering behind it really well. You know, Jeremy's ex-Cosworth. Um, so from the engineering point of view for the engine, we thought, well, the LT1 is a perfect thing and we can get that in there and we know we can yeah. make it work. And I love Landys. Um, so yeah, so we're, we're concentrating on those two to really, I suppose, develop a product. Um, and I thought a product would be quite nice, a, a finished product, because 
this vaporware thing is is all easily you know but you're trying to sell a concept and an idea to somebody and you say yeah we can customize a view we can do anything we can yeah. put we can put a unicorn horn on the bonnet <laughs> if you want you know or uh, but um but it was difficult and now i'm like well actually here it is you know jump in it drive it um you know we can we can you know you can see it it's demonstrated that it does drive well it's not just something we'll talk about saying and say it can drive well at some stage or you know so and the yeah. product's there and actually if you want it now you can have it now you know if you if you wanted one of the land rovers we got downstairs that are completed you can you can leave in it immediately if you wanted to yeah 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 yeah, yeah. it's interesting that because like i i think anyone that's into cars at some point goes through like a i want to modify i want to change i want to try different things um and a friend of mine, actually, who might have got in touch with you. Um, he's not like, he's sort of into cars, but not like as into, much into as, cars, into, yeah. as a yeah. space on it. And he had an idea for a build and it was taking, um, I don't think he'll mind me talking about this because I, I don't think he's going to do it in the end. Uh, he wants to take an old an old Rolls okay. and then put a silly engine in it. Cool. Because he was like, I want it to be comfy, but then also have some like real power and that sort of thing. And I, I spoke to him a little bit about it and was like, okay, this, like, it sounds kind of fun. Sounds yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, but like, I know you don't have unlimited budget. Like, I know this is going to be a, an expense for you. Actually, can we find a car that sort of from factory sort of fits? So I was like, maybe you want like an older Bentley or something that's a bit more sporty. It's got a bit more power and a bit more hand. And how old is old? You know, is 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 old like? 2000 or is old like 1988 I, or I 1980s like just, you know so. looking at like 90s or yeah. that sort of age um, pretty so pretty old 80s 90s yeah yeah kind okay. of old and I was like if you put a modern V8 or something like a Merc V8 or whatever in something from that you're going to have to do like a lot yeah there is a lot and and as a one-off you know this this perfectly illustrates the point it's it's a prototype car it could drive well or it might drive crap. But no one knows yet. You will find out once you finish building it and you go down the road and you go, God, that is awful. How do we now engineer some of that awful out? Or maybe you get lucky. Maybe maybe you get lucky and it drives pretty well right out of the can. But um, but um, I don't know. Um, whereas we know, you know, we, we've, uh, with the Defender, we, we drove it down the road when we had the first LT1 in there um, and the eight-speed auto, we only had the first five gears because of the mapping that we'd done on it. And the boys, I'd found a block of wood under the accelerator. And I said, what's this for? And they said, just so you don't destroy it when you test drive. <laughs> so well, I only chucked the wood out, but, um, but you had to take it nice and easy. But we, we, you know, we found out where the pitfalls were. We found out there was a lot of sloppiness. So we've put some LSDs into the thing and uh, we make sure that takes the slop out. And, and um, you know, we've, we've developed it on a product yeah. that will work now. And... Um, yeah, so your mate, you know, trying to put up something, you know, I suppose the 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 olden days lazy swap, and I say lazy with the tongue in cheek, but it was always an LS3. Yeah. You know, stick an LS3 into a roller and, you know, smoke that. You think, yeah, super cool. It could work, but it might not. Yeah, it might not. And it and it costs a lot of money. And it's the the idea of the constant evolution. Now, as time goes on, I kind of like the idea of that. Like, but picking the right thing and slowly evolving it myself. It's yes. like my own journey. But but as the car owner and as the person, you know, perhaps, you know, uh, commissioning somebody else to build it, you have to be fully aware and wide-eyed and go into it thinking this could cost uh, hundreds. And I'm getting none of it back. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, possibly, yeah, 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 there is that. Yeah, it's not an investment. And, um, and, uh, and you're going to have to work with them. You know, it's got to be a company you can work with because, because if the, 
goes pear-shaped. You know, you're going to have to go back there and say, look, guys, and they have to be willing yeah. to go, yeah, fair enough. You know, the customer wants it this way and this is what it's not doing. And you can't just kick the tires and go, it's a piece of shit anyway and walk away. Yeah. you got to fix it. Yeah, um, it is. You see it actually quite a lot. I think it's, it's probably made, social media is a perfect one where, you know, someone's done some crazy build. Or I think in the UK, you often see builds, but they're builds in association with okay. someone. So um, I'm trying to think of an example. Um, Jethro. Bovington Bovington has a 996 in Litchfield. Yes. So he's like, we're putting a 991 engine in it, I think. Yes, I think that's what they did. In a 996, yeah. In a 996. And you start watching that process. This is kind of interesting. It's kind of cool. Um, But that's not just him going... I'm going to do this and I'm just going to start funding the bills. It's, it's Litchfield, I think probably doing a calculation going, we might be able to sell a few of these or yeah. it's a fun marketing project or whatever, you know, it's, it's a, they're taking on some of the overhead as well. Possibly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have no idea. I suppose I there's, there's, the specifics, there's a multitude but... of ways that they can sort that out. And of course, Jethro has got a lot of reach. So, so I suppose from a commercial point of view, it makes a lot of sense to do that for them. Um, um, or it might just be a lot of fun and uh, and the Litchfield guys, Ian, has got enough cash and says, yeah, cool. Or or Jethro's got enough cash and he's paying full retail. I yeah. don't know. But um but yeah. Um But lots of lots of the builds I see, there's a commercial side. And I'm not saying people are like trying to swindle anywhere or anything. It's just purely like a if it's on YouTube, there is a commercial side to people on YouTube doing crazy projects. Um oh, yeah. because they can offset the costs and it's they're creating videos and, and all that sort of stuff. So it sort of makes sense to do something. Well, isn't the whole American, mental. you know, you watch any of the American car shows and they build something crazy and you think, yeah. whoa, that looks crazy. <laughs> and then you see it doing 20 miles an hour through the car park and the guy's wrestling with it at 20 and you think, geez, okay, well, it the looks SEMA cool. Builds. The SEMA builds, man, you know. Yeah, 490 kilograms of filler on them and stuff. Well, I mean, I don't know that from experience, but um, but yeah, they don't have to drive well. They just have to look good. And uh, we've had a few cars that have come in and... Um, and look great, but drove like crap because of what was going on with them. And uh, in fact, one of them, well, you know, the guy sold the car, caught fire just as he sold it and oh, stuff. Dear. And you think, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, so, you know, that can happen. But um, yeah, commercial element of it, yeah, possibly. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of ways of sort of, you know, doing these things. But it is, it's about having fun. Um, and for us, that's still Workshop 77. So we can we can have the fun. We can do these builds. We can have somebody come along and say, let's stick an LS3 or an LT1 or something LT4 into a roller. And uh, I'd love to do it. But um, but I won't be paying for it. Um, yeah, so what, because I've got too many car projects. What's that conversation look like if someone comes to you now? Because I know you've you've been through a few sticky situations on these sort of things. And Yeah, well, I mean, we still would for the right person. Yeah, we, we're still doing it. We've got, um, you know, we, we've got a little electric uh, Cinquecento, which is kind of stalled a bit because they're having a bit of problems with the electrics, uh, the kit we bought. Um, just various issues about overcharging and et cetera. But as, as sort of the EV market and especially the EV conversion market has sort of evolved slightly and people realize the risks now, these risks are trying to be sort of mitigated. And, um, and, uh, this was one of the early kits so that needs sorting out. So we have that, um, we're doing, uh, in fact, the guy's in tomorrow, but we got an E9, lovely, you know, really cool customer. We got, we're doing an E9 for him, but he's decided he wants an S54 swap. So we'll put an M3 engine into it. But, uh, but, yeah. I remember seeing that car. Yeah, I think you posted it. In fact, I think the last time we spoke about E9s, about how like that shape is is super cool, super cool. 
but we don't really want the three liter CSA, CSL engine in there. He's, we, and, and this is entirely his call and we yeah. will do it for him, but he's a good dude. Um, he's got a cool vision and, uh, and we will work with him through this process. So he is, he's, he's patient with us and, uh, and I suppose yeah. we would be with him and, um, and it'll be a lot of fun and we'll see what happens. And, um, it shouldn't turn itself inside out. <laughs> but but we will and we'll you know we'll complete we'll continue to look at it as we go down the line but but there is there's going to have to be a lot of, of prototyping engineering work that goes on with that and, and i don't know if that's an osha car or, or a workshop 77 car it's um you know the distinction between those two shouldn't really matter it doesn't um he wants a car he's got a cool cool concept of what color it needs to be wheels and bumpers yeah. and trims and stuff and uh and uh we're really looking forward to it. we've had a lot of welding done a lot of panels on that car and we now have a right-hand drive E9 shell um, that he'll come in and have a look at tomorrow. And uh, and then we will look at the donor and how we do that. You know, do we buy a whole M3 or do we just buy the engine? And uh, we take the whole M3, we can use all the drivetrain, et cetera, et cetera, yeah, put it yeah, in there yeah. and, then, and then make sure it's all good. And then if it has to go through IVA, then we'll get it through IVA um, or something. You know, Is so, that going to go on to the original chassis? It does. So, yeah. So we haven't modified or cut anything. So that should keep it safer. You know, I'm very conscious and aware of some of the modification works that happened uh, and, and does happen to these cars that actually in the UK, the UK DVLA is fairly tolerant. You know, you try and do what we do to cars in Belgium and uh, get away with it or Germany. Yeah. No way. You know, I know guys that were driving over to um, the Worthersea and stuff and their cars were being seized on the way there. Really? Yeah. Stuck on a trailer and that's it. You know, get out of here. That car's illegal because it's just, it was an old Merc um, on airbags. And uh, they said, yeah. No bueno. That's funny. That's fu like I know and they're super strict, man. The guys pitch up there with rulers and all sorts. The cops bloody measure these things, and uh, you know it's illegal. Like if you're in the country and you can't register it, I thought that's one thing. But if it's registered somewhere else, you'd sort of think that like I can see how you you could you can argue both sides and goes yeah, but it's still dangerous. It's like, dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, well, that's their argument. It's dangerous. I mean, I don't know how dangerous. Was it or is, is but, yeah. but um, but yeah, but that's their argument, and uh, and they're super strict. I, I, you know, there was that thing that that actually Haggerty's um did a um a little write up on, but a guy did an EV conversion to a mini, and uh, and I'm paraphrasing a lot of this, but he effectively drilled they drilled a couple of holes through the bulkhead um, through the firewall into uh, for the cables to run the cables, and DVLA said no, you've altered the um the structure of the vehicle, so now it's invalid. And they said, oh, no, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll weld the holes up and stuff. And they went, no. And I think they just dug their heels in. And uh, I think the car's on a Q-plate now, which is a real shame because it was a proper yeah. proper little mini. And, um, you know, and uh, and they could go strict like that. So so I am always always sort of pretty conscious of it. And it's all fine when it's fine. But what happens when you're in a car that's modified and you haven't declared any modifications or you're claiming it's still a stock if standard car wrong. and then you run over somebody crossing at a pedestrian crossing or something, and then the insurances get involved, the insurance isn't going to let us slide. You know, no. you've got 16 million quid to pay out and this per person for life support for the rest of their life, or, oh, yeah, mate, it's modified, and you didn't declare. So, um, yeah, so we're uh, we're very aware of that, and Jeremy and I do spend quite a bit of time looking at the legalities of these cars and backdating and, you know, modifications, et cetera. So what other stuff have you done on the um, the, the Defender? Well, the Landys, so, I mean, you know, I suppose most of it is, is, um, is uh, from the outside, is all about design. Um, there's some slight distinctions and changes. We do some of the um, interiors for a couple of Land Rover places. And, uh, you know, we wanted to, I wanted to go the other way to what they do. 
I wanted to go is, um, as a, a friend of ours, Matt Bishop said, a bit more pims and a little less pimp. And um, <laughs> so, so there's no rope wrapped around the things, and it's a little less Laura Croft, a little less James Bond, yeah. um, Terminator style. So we've gone a bit more yacht club type style. Okay. But, um, so yeah, it's just it's just smoothed off. It's clean. It's it's what we designed, I suppose, at Osha. You know, we we use the phrase clean and fast, um, and fast not necessarily being speed fast. It's just sort of clean and efficient. Yeah. And um, and we've tried to do that with the Landy. So aesthetically, it looks slightly different. It, nothing is really from a parts catalog. There's a lot of companies making parts catalog stuff for Defenders. We could have bought Y-Pack lights and, and you know, various door handles and carbon fiber look stick-on parts. Yeah. But we got rid of all of that. Um, on the interior, on the LT, on the on the 110s, and we decided the 110 was better than the 90 for these because I want them to be usable as well, you know. So I want them to, I want to be able to throw a family in the back and or kids in the back and stuff on the behind in the station wagon. Um, but it's uh, it's LT1, so the 6.2 liter um, V8, which is pretty big. It all sounds huge and stuff, but we actually get about 28 miles to the gallon, so not terribly inefficient. It's, it's, it's direct injection, you know. So and that's and that's why we went away from the LS3, um, you know, modern engine. Uh, and um, and eight-speed auto, so it that's I suppose ostensibly the biggest changes. But then we have to compensate with um, pegging the diff so that the power can it, it, you we can handle the power because it's six hundred newton meters of torque and uh, four hundred and fifty brake. Um, it's quite a lot. On it's a lot. It's a lot. Off-roady tires. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we got bigger wheels, so they're eighteen-inch wheels. We've had them made, so they're slightly wider, slightly bigger. We've got bigger brakes. We've had um, AP Racing custom make the brakes for us. So, so all of those sorts of changes. But it just needs to be a bit more comfortable to be in because defenders are notoriously uncomfortable places yeah. to be. Um, we're trying to bring a bit, I suppose, a bit more of modern day Range Rover into an old Defender and uh, trying to merge those two slightly. But then also getting some some power that we can use, but drivability. So, um, and then the style distinctions. So ever so slightly different. Are you keeping all, all the suspension like steel springs? No. So we've gone tractive suspension on these. Oh, okay. Interesting. And, uh, yeah. So it's got the G sensor, which we mount. And uh, we have, we've, we've, we've opted away from, I hate screens. I dislike screens immensely. So we've got the, um, the little uh, selector uh, yeah. on a five-way switch, which is what Roof do as well for the same setup, which yeah, when yeah. they run tractive. So there's no screen. So we can, we can program it. We can change it up, but there's five options that you can have. So, which is actually so, quite a lot. Oh, oh, yeah, it's playing yeah, something. You, you kind of want three. You know, and you kind like, of want. I kind of want one, five, or in the middle, as you say. Exactly that. Yeah. You don't want. Why would you want two or four? Comfort, race. I mean, comfort, sport, and race, or something. Yeah. You know. But um, yeah. So we've got five options, and uh, uh, and um, is there all quite, of our testing so far is really good. And is there quite a lot of variability between those settings? Yes, there is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, as long as you can have, you know, I, I think that there have been some changes to their, their systems. There wasn't as much travel between them, but now the, because it's all just software derived, you know, you can you can make the valves open up to maximum. So yeah. on maximum, it is maximum travel, and on minimum, it's practically rock hard and, um, and everything in between. But then you can also change how fast it responds and reacts and comes back, rebounds and various things. How is it? Because uh, I guess it... The spring stiffness makes a difference, but like low speed, does it do that thing where the wheels just kind of like, or does it kind of douche, 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 douche? Well, yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Not really, man. But like yeah, you yeah, watch yeah, like yeah. a rally car, okay, yeah, 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 and the wheels just articulate. And oh yeah, yeah, just yeah. like at like naught miles an hour. 
Well, we got a live axle on these, and uh, you know, so you still you still end up with that that full sort of axle across the back, and, yeah. it, and it is an off road car. But um, but the big thing is that it it um you you do away with that sort of nose divey element. You yeah, know, I've yeah, driven yeah. some cars that are supposed to be super sorted defenders. And you go into a roundabout and the first thing it is trying to, trying to throw out the left-hand side and then you turn in a little bit more and the next thing you know, you're diving into the middle of the roundabout and um, yeah. and you're sort of, you know, alternating between extreme Just left and extreme right. And yeah, 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 right. yeah. You're kind of going around a roundabout like a 50p <laughs> piece, you know, super right, super left. And, um, and, um, and this takes away from that because as soon as within six milliseconds it's detecting the nose pitching in, it stiffens that shock yeah. and it only stiffens that front damper. So, um, so you end up with a bit of a flatter ride going around the corner. So, um, yeah, so all of our testing so far has been pretty positive and I'm, I'm quite happy with it because nice. the condition of the roads, again, you know, uh, awful out there sometimes. So, And the, the interiors, the interiors all look really cool um, yeah. in, in all the cars you've done um, and you've done some fun prints. We're looking at some fun prints yeah. um, that you've done. And taking that process in-house, have you learnt a lot about interiors and leathers and um all yeah. sorts of things yeah you know, we, you know we definitely have but um but um i mean it, it's so much better having it in-house for us because you know julie is not only you know incredibly experienced uh, she used to trim jets um for a company called jet in switzerland and you know the tolerance levels there and uh, some yeah. of the interiors i think one of the most expensive interiors they did was 350 million dollars to trim a jet <sighs> You know, one-off jet, big Airbus A340. It big. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's an Airbus A340 for one guy, one family. Wow. It's been featured in magazines and stuff. But, I mean, I think the jet was $220 million and the trim was 350 But, um, yeah, wow. yeah, a lot of work. But, um, yeah, so, so it's, you know, so we, can, so we can use Julie's experience as well. But, uh, but it means we can go downstairs and we can sit in the car and we can play around with it and we can work there. And, uh, you know, and a number of these interiors have been redone because we've done something and I've gone, you know what? It doesn't quite work well enough. Yeah. You know, what, what Land Rover did back in the day, and the reason they've done it is perhaps, you know, they want to be able to hose it out. So so everything's made out of plastic with giant rivets and stuff on there, and and we've tried to smooth all that out. And, uh, you know, Alcantara headliners and various things. And um, and for us, that just works better. But uh, but it's also, it, it looks a bit more luxurious. And we can, um, you know, we can, we can have Julie go in there and fit it out, and we can say, yeah, no, and chuck it into the reject pile if it's a no and, uh, and start again and, um, and, and modify. So yeah, very, very useful doing it in house. So we've developed our seats ourselves. Um, also based on some of my experience, you know, I've been in a couple of landies and they've got these giant big Recaro race seats in the front yeah. there. And, uh, and on paper you think that's cool, you know, it's a nice big bucket cool, seat yeah. and yeah, cool. Except, except that the, the, the wings on, on each of the seats are because it's such a small cabin really. And they touch each other and, uh, and if you're sitting in the back, all you're doing is staring right at the back of a big bucket yeah, seat. Yeah, that's so, true. So, you know, so we wanted to do away with that. So we do have a bucket seat, um, which we've designed and, and sort of modified ourselves. And um, and I think it works quite nice. It works well. It, uh, you know, they fit the vehicle. They look good in the vehicle. They're comfortable. They're, they're, uh, they're, uh, they're customizable and you can move them around and, you know, so uh, adjustable. So, yeah, um, yeah, I like it. And uh, and we've tried to go for, a, you know, I mean, there's this, this same theme across all of our cars, there's the same sort of design language across all the nine eleven, uh, all the uh, defenders, regardless of it being a ninety with a three point five Rover, which we have in the first little Safari spec one, um, and that was just to keep the, the the engine in the family. We wanted to keep it within the Rover yeah. sort of family, but um, so we have that. But um, you know, so they kind of look the same. They they share the same sort of design across all of them, really, and um, you know, similar sort of color palette, and then the same seats throughout. Uh, 
your customers and the people, yeah, yeah, pitching for these things. They have you noticed a sort of distinction on the Land Rovers, whether when you're like, oh, keeping it within the family, you know, using a sort of an engine that fits versus, let's say, an LT1. Does do people care um, on that car? I mean, uh, yeah, so far, so far, well, I've only, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think it, I think it probably is personal. I mean, we've had we've had um, positive feedback from both. Yeah. Um, I mean, I say you know it's a Rover three and a half V eight, but it's on Holly EFI, so uh, so it's got electronic fuel injection on there, and it's a lot more modern. Yeah. And more usable, and I think that's most important for people. Um, probably got about 180 brake, so so significantly down on the LT1. But then, you know, a lot of people look at it and go, oh, LT1. Uh, you know, and I got a, I got a sort of echo what a, f- a friend of mine, Jens, says at, at Zenvo. You know, he's, he's, what are they doing? Quad turbo V12. Yeah. Six point something. And uh, I'm like, yeah, man. You Rowdy. Know. <laughs> yeah. And and I love it. And I, lo- and I love the fact that Jens thinks that that's the way to go because, um, you know, I respect him for that as well because I think that's super cool. And, um, and I tend to find that most people sort of say the same, you know, when they see our Landy, we got a, you can have a 2.2 diesel in there, which is belching out huge amounts of soot and smoke yeah. and crap, but, um, or 6.2. And, uh, we could also fit the 5.3, but, um, we decided to go with the 6.2 and, um, and, uh, perhaps it's overkill, but I, I've got to say on the whole, everybody looks at it and goes, oh, cool. 450 cool. break. Yeah. Yeah. Four. We could turn it up, but I think equally it's more than enough and it doesn't need turning up. Um, Although I'm not trying to do numbers, you know, uh, it's never been about trying to get. It's that. not the car. No, it's not the car to do numbers on. I mean, I see people saying, "Yeah, 550 brake." I'll have a Defender, and you think, "Wow, sounds dangerous." Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> 450 sounds dangerous, um, and it could be. You know, it could get you into a world of trouble if you were not using it properly. But um, yeah, anyway. Where does your head sit on power figures for something like a? Defender or even even your your daily right. You've got an RS6, is that right? Yeah. So I've got the E63, and I I love the V8. Like I love the fact it's a V8. So do I. I so love V8s. Very V8s, similar V8s for me V8 to yeah. yours. Yeah. But after I don't know whatever it is a, a year now and ten thousand miles or something, I think the more miles I do, I go. This is a bit silly. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like and like I don't I don't I think I would. I would have, if I could do a direct swap, I would have a slightly less silly engine. Yeah, every now and then I do think it's, I mean, it's excessive because um, I had a, hit a pheasant the other day, so uh, so it's having some some repairs done on the bumper. Oh, that's and, rubbish. Um, yeah, I know, I wasn't even going, you know, this thing was kamikaze. But um, so I've just been driving around in the ML for a little while in the M-Class and uh, probably half the power that the, mm. that the RS6 has got. And it's enough, it's plenty. But I've got to say, I do miss the RS6 every now and then, you know. Yeah, and I can't it. help it if I did want to hit the gas. I still drop it into sport mode. I don't need it. I don't need sport mode. But yeah, you drop it into sport mode. But um, yeah, um, yeah, too much power. So so power on dailies. I mean, you kind of yeah. I'm a petrolhead, man. I got to have some power. Yeah, but I have to say, when it gets up to the hypercar level, I get lost. You know, I mean, I mean, oh, I mean yeah. in the olden days, a thousand horsepower was like you know completely unobtainable. Um, unless you had a jet engine in the back, and or uh, some crazy modified thing that yeah. you know you know is running on like two JZ, yeah, 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 yeah. And now you know the hypercars are two thousand, are they? You know, I don't yeah. even know. I've lost, I've lost interest in all of that. But um, somewhere between one and two, I think is a is is like where they all sort of sit. Now. Yeah, that's where they want to be. Um, I I look at them and kind of go, yeah. Previously, I don't know. I think when Laugh P one and all that lot came out, I was yeah. like, oh, this is like. 
this seems really cool. What kind, of, kind of, what kind of power they got? I don't even know. They're like a thousand. Jeez. Which is a lot. That's a lot. That's a, that's a lot. I'm going to have to Google um, it. Cause I, you but, know, yeah, they all get, yeah. but they all got a bit heavier. Okay. Yeah, of course they did. Yeah. And now it's interesting watching someone like Ferrari, who's just a master at selling cars. Yeah. They, they just, they sell cars like no one else. Everyone yeah. else wishes they were Ferrari sure. in, in that world. Okay. And they've done the, um, the, what's it? The SP3. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. it's basically the laugh powertrain. Okay. I mean, it's not quite laugh. It's like, it's iterated a bit since then, but without the hybrid. Okay. And they brought that out, out, whatever it is, five years later, eight years later. And so it's like, you've, you've sort of taken a step back and gone simpler, lighter, yeah. less power. But everyone's like, I want that car. Well, wasn't it a thing that people were asking if they could actually have the uh, the hybrid system removed? Yeah, because well, I think it's, it didn't practic- work. It's practically useless. I mean, what are you doing? Three miles, three mile range, or something? You know. I think most laughs had a hybrid system replaced. Did they? Uh, early days, and I, uh, P1s. There's a there's a company. I think it's called V Engineering, who are doing a lot of stuff around the battery packs. Because the battery packs, were, if you the big those battery packs, if you don't drive them, and it's not even like you. I think. If you leave them on a trickle charger, that's not enough. Oh, okay. You had to drive them or they fail, and then it's like 150 grand or something. Um, I, don't, I don't play in that market. People have, I've, you know, people, <laughs> people have worked in it. But I look at that space now and kind of, it's just, it's kind of like gone. I just, I kind of don't care, apart from every now and then I see something like a Valkyrie bike. I mean, that looks cool. Yeah. Is there one particular one of that lot you think of, do you, do you look at any of that stuff and go, that's interesting? Oh, no, it's all interesting. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think when they come out, I think, wow, cool. But I have to say, unobtainable amounts of money for me. So, so you know, it's like looking at jets. You know, I think it, yeah. I think, I think a G6 is supposed to be pretty cool, but I've never looked at one. And, yeah. um, and I've almost got no interest in them apart from, you know, occasionally daydreaming and thinking, it's, whoa, that'd be cool. But yeah, quite- I, I don't have 200 million. Yeah. I don't even know what they yeah. cost. I don't even know. It's, I, I find it interesting looking at the the details. Sure. Because you can go, oh, I can see what they've done there. Like the Zenvo, for example. Yes. They've got one display that's an analog dial. Yeah. Have you seen that? And yeah, it rotates yeah, yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I then love it's that. the digital dial. That. Like, that's just a really nice bit of engineering. Yeah. Like, I'm sure it's not cheap, but it's it's just a really nice bit of engineering. You go, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I yeah. like that. Um, those sorts of things. Well, I like, you know, all of those cars, the Paganis, you know. I, I think. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Yeah. First time I saw a Zonda F. Um, 
blew me away. I couldn't believe that this was, you know, not from outer space. Yeah. And um, um, it was up in Manchester, actually, and uh, a guy pitched up with one, and I thought, God, you know, amazing, amazing. I still love them. think they're great. That's the the point in time in the Zonda that I've sort of freeze. Me too. And Zonda F. Yeah, nothing yeah, yeah, after that. Yeah. Don't care. Yeah. Don't care. No, I'm the same, dude, and I'm older than you. But... Uh, <laughs> Um, one of the things we covered is you, you've done some interiors um, in a sort of sustainable materials. And I'm going to put an asterisk because I think this is a, a sort of little topic in itself. Um, Circular economy, they call themselves, I think. So you, whatever that means. You can now, whether it's clothes or whatever, you can buy, let's say, PU leather. Yes. Plastic. Um, I think everyone as long as everyone's not kidding themselves, that that is anything other than plastic, which is made from oil. Um, mm-hmm. Where what, what are the sort of options in the market if you if you want to be like greener? And, and are they better options? What are your thoughts on this little topic? Well, I think it's, it, it's, it's gaining some traction. Um, I think there's a large degree of greenwashing. I've just had um, my best mate's daughter's been over visiting us for a couple of months, spending some time in the UK. And um, and it's interesting to get the Gen Z take on these things. Yeah, and uh, and I think there's a bit, you know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of, um, you know, I, I suppose naivety around what's actually happening. You know, it, it doesn't always make sense. You know, we're we're throwing away plastic stuff in the seas all the time. We're throwing, you know, we're, we're we're changing our mobile phones and our iPads and our things, and we're far more consumeristic than we ever were. But somehow we're thinking we're saving the planet. And uh, you know, for me to make a new product. To, to mine for a substance mm. um, and then make a new product from that is not better than reusing what we have. Um, so I would rather reuse what we have. Uh, you know, something like leather, I understand why people are sort of against it. And there's obviously the distinction between vegan and, um, and no harm to animals and, and sort of vegetarian and, uh, and uh, looking for some sort of sustainable planet-saving stuff. Yeah. But, um, you know, for me, leather is it's a byproduct from the meat and the dairy industry. Um, it's biodegradable. You can throw it away at the end of it. It actually feels quite good to me. Um, I appreciate not everybody feels the same way. Um, and I respect the fact that you know, not everybody feels the same way, you know, that's, it's entirely up to them. Yeah. But, um, but you know, we can't, I don't think we should sort of con ourselves with thinking that we're going to save the planet by using something like, uh, you know, these, these various mushroom leathers and various things. And, uh, and some of them contain quite a large amount of, of, uh, fossil fuels in there, you know, PU. It's not, it's not, saving the planet and, uh, and instead of being a biodegradable leather type product which is gone once you've thrown it away and decomposes etc and potentially even feeds things like mushrooms um you're, you're making it out of plastic which will be here for the next 10 billion 20 billion years or whatever it is i don't know what the lifespan of yeah. plastics is but it's you know it's significant and um yeah so there's a, there's a bit of greenwashing uh, i think certain things are pretty cool you know i know there is a problem with plastics in the oceans and stuff um i don't know how much of it is marketing but we have some carpets we've made carpets uh, for various cars and we will continue to do so if we can but they claim they're uh, recycled fishing nets yeah um i've seen all ocean source plastics and yeah. uh, and and you know and i think that's great i think it's great um I mean, I got to say, there's got to be a lot of recycled fishing nets because I've seen a lot of carpet, and you think oh, that must have taken a lot of recycled fishing nets. I've, but but perhaps it's more it's more than you know. Maybe recycled fishing nets is just the catch-all for ocean source plastics or recycled plastics. I'm, I'm gonna say a little. It's a little side avenue, but it's just popped into my head, and I mm-hmm. thought it's, it's not really correlated. But 
on um, on recycled products. Um, so my other half studies pollutants in the ocean, basically. Okay. Like she's a scientist in that space. And um, so we get, I get a lot of information about it. And at the moment, if you buy something that's recycled, so the one that's sort of looking at now, a company has gone and tested a bunch of kids' toys that have used recycled plastics. Yeah. And they, it was, it was some crazy large amount contained a number of chemicals that would brand it as hazardous waste. Oh, really? Because if you mix, it's, it's, it's like how the mix of the stuff goes. So if it's clear plastic, um, you're generally all right because there's not like nasty stuff in it. But if, if it's darker plastics and black plastic and stuff like that, yeah. often the things that are chopped up and it could be like old laptops, it could, it could be anything. It could be containers that contain like nasty stuff. It then all gets chopped up, put back together and then put into kids toys, a kid's toy, for example. And there's a lot of nasty stuff in it. So uh, we're now like, oh my God, I didn't realize. Yeah. And, and you don't know this, like there's, there's so much. I suppose there's lead-based paint from the, uh, for, for our modern generation then, you know, the equivalent yeah. where you think it's all cool, but it's all lead-based or, you know, and lead it, petrol. It does. I, I don't want to, that was just, that's literally just an information point. I don't want to sort of push anyone one way or another. Um, but it's like, it's a lot more complicated than it looks. Like yeah. all of this stuff yes. is actually really damn complicated. Yeah. And then you're looking at like, okay, let's just say leather. At the moment, it is a byproduct. Yes. And it literally would get thrown in the bin if we didn't use it. Yes, no it would, yeah. more cows are grown. It's not quite the right word. But to create leather that we use. They're not grown specifically for leather. No. No. And the rest of it discarded. No, they're not grown for leather. Leather is literally a byproduct. Um, but, and you know, and I get it. If you're, if you're vegan and you don't want cows grown and you don't want to eat the meat, then in which case, yeah, fine. But I will say as well, then, uh, you know, so we're in Northampton, we're in the capital of the shoe country as well as car country, I think, uh, for, for this country. And, um, friends of mine are involved with it. And, uh, and they say that, you know, these vegan shoes that they have, they cannot recycle the soles because of the products that are used in it. Yeah. And um goes into landfill. So, you know, I think you'd you'd have a different take on it if you thought, well, actually, I think I'm saving the planet by going vegan and my shoes are even vegan. And then you work out that actually you're contributing to landfill. Yeah. And it's a completely non-recyclable product, despite it's, what they say. I know, I know there's guys in, you know, New York or somewhere who's pitched up with his old trainers and gone into the Nike shop and said, You're gonna re- recycle these yeah. and they were like yeah mate no, no. it goes into the skip out the back and that's it back in the landfill it does look it does i do feel like that we're overall we're moving in the right direction on this like i think apple have come out recently and said in i think the apple watches i think they're some huge percentage of recycled um materials okay from apple products you know lithium watches. and the various moves i mean um, i'm i'm, I'm completely naive they to basically it. said in they're aiming for i don't know in 10 years time or something to source all of the rare material rare earth material metals and stuff from recycled products okay because essentially if you think about it like i don't know what version of a smartphone i'm, I'm on five maybe six i don't know i can't even remember i don't know how many i've had let's say five okay if i want a new one most of the stuff that you need to make that is in the last five sure okay yeah and actually there's more so if we can pull it all out and the technology and reuse that, that yeah, is, yeah, yeah. is evolving a lot. 
So, so, we, so we're not mining then. So that's yeah. so hopefully you know we can do less mining. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we can mine to save the planet. Um, no, is my take on it. But, no. but we will, do a lot of mining I, I, already. I, and I will caveat that by saying I am no expert. You know, I shouldn't be lecturing anybody on that because um, I don't know. It's a it's a it's a it's a complicated one. It in is. EVs. This move to this building. Yes. I know you've you've literally like designed it and done everything. What um what were you sort of looking for and what was your approach to building this space? Well, I wanted something that was um I mean we wanted to be able to own our own building, make the changes to it so that it would help our build process. Um and we couldn't do that where we were. It was it was a lovely place to be, lovely place to start, very atmospheric. And with atmospheric, read that with the asterisk that means when it was cold. We were cold, yeah. And when it was hot, we were catching fire. And uh, when it was dry, it was dusty. And when it was wet, we were flooding. But um, you know, it looked really cool. But uh, yeah, for us, I, I just you know, I have a, 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 I have a, I suppose my background from from management consultancy means that I want things a bit more efficient, a bit more streamlined, a bit more clean, and uh, and uh, that's what we were going for. So less of the hot roddy feel and vibe to it, and a bit more towards what I thought would help us build these cars. And um, this building is sort of suited to that. Um, it's not some sort of grand fancy building or anything. Uh, we do a lot of the stuff here. We have streamlined the business to a degree in that I use best of breed when it comes to um, um, subcontractors. So we don't have, I don't have somebody who's doing in-house painting. Um, we'll use a number of companies. Uh, there's sort of three companies out there that we would probably use. Um, and that can evolve slightly depending on who's doing their painting and who's doing yeah. their management of their business. Um, but we're pretty happy with what we got so far. Um, you know, painting is, I suppose, is different to prototyping or doing in some interiors. So, you know, so having the interiors in house is quite good, but, uh, we, we have, uh, we have a really good guy who does our looms and he does a couple of days a week for us. And, um, as and when we need him, we do guys who do the mapping for us and, uh, we use him and he comes in as and when we need him. Who's desperate, by the way, to turn my car up to seven twenty brake? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, like I need brake horsepower, like I need more than what we got. <laughs> but um, yeah, so uh, so it 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 does mean that you know, based on you know, with the experience that I've got with the guys that are working for me and able to contribute, and Jeremy and Jim and Julie and everybody else, and you know, we can we can um, they contribute to what the build process should be now. And Jez is nice and on top of that, and. Um, mm. And he can uh, he can streamline things and make sure that that pro side of the business is all running quite nicely and uh, and uh, and the the space we're in now is suited to that, you know. It's so a cool space. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you, man. It, you know, it's it, it's you know, it's not like I said, it's not some sort of pretentious showroomy type show off thing. It was it was just how we wanted it to be. So um, I can like I follow the line from the previous place. Okay. As in, like you obviously have like a, an aesthetic that you like. And that was sort of in the previous place, but like despite the pre the building, et cetera. Yes. Whereas now like you've got more space and it's you've it's all clean and like it's yeah. nice. Um so and it's it's quite a cool place to sort of wander around. And you have a nice you have a nice variety of vehicles in here. Yeah, we, we tend to. Quite we like some of them do. to just disappear and be sold and whatnot, but like Well I've got <laughs> yeah, yeah, fun. but 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 those are cars that we've we've you know we've built and we've done and we've used and and uh you know, in particular my own cars, some of them, you know, because it was a bit of fun and we, we workshop seventy seven them and we've built these cars and I've used them around a little bit and now we could do with the space and uh, probably even the cash. And it'll be good if we can move those on and somebody else can use them and enjoy them. Um but um, yeah, there's there's always quite a variety. Actually, we do have, uh, which is nice. It's cool, you know, because it's always nice when something new comes in, and yeah. we all gather around it, and everybody kicks the tires, and you know, talks about what's good or what's bad, or yeah, it's the wrong engine or the right engine, or yeah. 
Um, you know, and uh, as, as proper petrol heads do, you know, we'd all do that. We do, you know, next door neighbor gets a car and you sort of wander over there with a can of beer and, yeah. you know, kick the tires and say, oh, the GTS, that's the one to have, <laughs> but not that suspension, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you, what's going on in your head in terms of think your sort of personal, what you're liking at the moment? What, new cars wise or, or, or anything? Yeah, anything. Anything. Um, I'm, I, I like seeing classic cars that are being used. I'm still big into the classics. I did a track day recently um, with um, with Shami de Molligato. He did a thing down at Thruxton and um, and I took the 1970 911. And uh, I drove a couple of the other cars. They drove a GT3, drove the new Dakar on the nice. track in, in, oh, nice. in, in anger. Yeah, the owners are super cool. Um, they just said, yeah, jump in this thing. Steven said, uh, smash it around the track. And I came in and he went, no, 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 head back out. So it's not even like he was in the passenger seat. So if I wanted to drive like a hooligan, yeah, I could yeah. have. And it was in the wet. And, um, and you know, very capable, nice cars. They're very fast and stuff. But I have to say, I had so much more fun in my car, um, despite spinning it twice and getting a couple, couple of big scares and uh, full 360 trying to overtake Jit in his 996 GT2. And I did. And then lost it. <laughs> stayed on track though. Full 360 stayed on track. Went backwards at 80 miles an hour and managed to spin it back the other way. Praying, And then you're like, oh no, oh no, no yeah, we're yeah, fine, yeah, we're, we're fine, good, we're fine. Yeah, and kept going. You know, dumped the clutch and all yeah. we went. But um, yeah, so, so, you know, having driven a couple of different cars there, it was, uh, it, it's fun to be in these, these classic cars. I love them. Um, drove past an E24 the other day that was going into town. And I was practically hanging out the window, giving the guy thumbs ups yeah. and stuff, you know, like, hey, dude, cool. Even though I think he had the wrong wheels on there and, you know, all sorts of things. But um, so, yeah, I, I just, I like, I like the classic cars, but I appreciate that, you know, it was misty this morning um, and I see, and I took my little boy to school and I was thinking, Sheesh, you know, and uh, it's, it's a lot easier. I wasn't in my daily, no. I wasn't in the Audi and, uh, and actually if I'd been in the Audi, it would have been a lot more pleasant. So it's easy to daily a classic in summer. And it takes it takes cojones to try and daily a car like that in the winter, but um, but I do like seeing them around and about, and, and I appreciate people that do oh, it. Yeah. And and there's and there's some people I see. There's a guy who dailies at, at, at TVR Tuscan, oh, nice. and I pass him every morning. And he's probably because I sometimes pass him in different cars, so he doesn't sort of recognize yeah. me by my car. But he's thinking, why is this donkey? Why he give me the <laughs> thumbs up again or hanging out the window? And there's a guy who looks like a little. Morris Marine or yeah. whatever it is, and he dailies that, and I'm like, dude, you know, and uh, and it's cool, it's cool. But um, it's funny the um, the sort of like inter in between manufacturers like thumbs up. So like I I'm I'm say a car person. I, I I think I can say I'm a car person. Um, and if I go past um, a, a cool car, I'm like, hey, yeah. yeah. But I was in I was in my 911 yesterday. Which one? Oh, this this one. This one. And yeah, um, the GTS, GTS, the and have. went past someone who was in an A110, so an Alpine A110. And I was like, You don't see very many of them, no, um, like the, you know, the new shape. And I was like, Hey, hey. and then I realized, I was like, He's just seeing some Berlant, yeah, in a modern, brand new 911. Like, he's probably not registering no. that person is possibly a car person, it's like they just have a new Porsche. That is a yeah, yeah, I'm but the thing is, that. but the thing is, he's got to be a car person as well, doesn't he? he? Has if to he's be. in an if he's in an Alpine, yeah, yeah, he's a car person too. So he probably does get it. Um, but yeah, no, I have the same thing. But you know, all classics, and um, and then I forget I'm not in the Defender, and I'm waving at other Defenders, <laughs> and you think I'm waving? He's going, why is that donkey in a bloody Audi waving at me? So I always take, I always, I always take those things as like a massive positive. When I, if I'm, she, it doesn't matter what I'm in, anything, and and if someone's if someone's like, wait, cool, you're like, oh. 
Thanks, dude. Nice. Yeah, Cheers. Yeah. 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 So what do I like? Um, classics. Any particular classics? I remember. Oh, anything being used. Anything being used. Um, you know, I, I suppose I have an affinity for the German stuff, the uh, mm. you know, 60s, 70s, 80s. Um, and then I was at a workshop the other day. We we're doing a trim job on uh, on a guy's um, 1928 Bentley. Super cool car. And he's got all the cars as well, apparently. And, and, and not shy to drive them, him and his mate. They take them out to South Africa and they base themselves there, but I think they did something like 15,000 miles of driving all the way up through Africa in these wow. pre-war Bentleys. That's and, cool. And I've seen some videos and they're smashing them. You know, there's a support <laughs> vehicle in a, in a Land Cruiser behind them and there's no way they have to keep stopping for him to catch up in a modern Land Cruiser. And, uh, and they're over, you know, gravel roads and stuff, sending it. And I love that. I think that's super cool. That is and you, cool. you sort of go in there and they had some pre-war bent, um, Aston, which I don't know, and you think, yeah, man. Eye teeth, I'd, you know. You look at. I'd love I've, one, love one. I did a podcast with um, David Brown. Mm. Do you know David Brown? Mm. Um, does the sort of the minis, the, minis mm. and the Jags and stuff. And um, he's done a bunch of really long trips like this, like Paris to Peking type situation. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, then he'll um, know this guy because this guy's done them all in like an old Rolls or something. And I remember talking to him about. It, I'm like, what is it like taking those old cars like on that sort of trip? And he's like. It's great because that's literally what they were designed for. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. When they were built, roads oh. didn't really exist. Okay, yeah. So, like, everything is a dirt track. So, they're designed, you know, they've got loads of suspension travel. They've got big, hardy wheels. It's like, it's what they do. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, it's still pretty badass, though. <laughs> it's, it's super badass. Yeah. Well, this, this chap, so I think he's done it in a couple of different cars from what I gather. And, um, um, all Bentleys and, uh, and so he's done it in one of his and I wants to do yeah, it in the yeah, other yeah. one. He's done a four and a half. They've got to do it in the eight litre or whatever it is. But um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not that ginned up on it. Road, but, um, road trips in cars that from the start you think this is going to be interesting are so much better. Well, that's, isn't that the definition definition of an adventure? It's yeah. fun when it's finished. <laughs> so you're like, oh, thank God that's over. That was an adventure. That was good fun. Um, but uh, yeah, and, and for me, you know, the Landys. You know, it is, we call it Osher Adventure, and it is. For, you know, I've had so many adventures in those cars. You mm. jump in them and you think, I don't know what's going to happen. We're heading off somewhere. We have to rely on this vehicle, um, you know, to, to stay alive effectively. If it breaks yeah. down, you're buggered. And, um, and uh, yeah, what an adventure. So much fun. You know, I've had even, even the couple of trips out to South Africa with my little boy and up to Botswana. And in the series twos, and um, and it's it's all of them. Every time you just go down to the river just to have sundowners, because it's a big thing yeah. for us having sundowners, watching the sun, saying goodbye to the absolute heater that's been belting down forty eight degrees on top of your head all day long. And uh, you know, you sort of say cheers to that. And uh, we got a little tracker seat in the front, and my boy jumps in that, and he likes to wear my shirt because it flaps behind him, <laughs> so unbuttoned, and we get up to like you know flat out like twenty five <laughs> miles an hour dangerously fast at 25 miles an hour and this thing flies out behind him like a cape and he thinks he's Superman and, uh, you know, it's an adventure for him and it's actually yeah. an adventure for me too. And, um, yeah, I love it. That is cool. That's cool. I'm looking forward to when mine gets to the age where, like, he's starting to sort of enjoy and I'll be like, okay, let's go and do something yeah. kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, he's not quite there yet. I just get scared. Yeah. So we'll see, you're no, like, you'll okay, get there. You'll get okay. there. And it, and, it, and it is. It's a lot of fun. Right. I normally wrap these up with five questions. Since we've you've done the five questions before. It's probably changed though, because I think last time changed. you said best car and I said F40 and I've changed my mind on that. Okay. Uh, I'll give you a, a, sh a short version. Okay. Uh, if you can only drive one car for the rest of your life and you have some practical thing on the side, 
So you could define that if you want, but one sports car. Enzo. Ooh, interesting. I think that's, yeah, I've, I've sort of, I've evolved slightly from the F40 to wanting an Enzo. So sequential gearbox, interesting. Oh man, you're talking about, yeah, you're talking about details now. I'm just looking at yeah, the car it's thing. Not, it's not Manuel. No, no. Fair enough. Does it need to be? I don't know. It's, it's your choice. It's not mine. And cool, cool. I think um, so. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And Enzo's. They are pretty cool. What's the most undervalued car at the moment? What do you think should be worth more? Prices are coming down. Yeah. I mean, you're talking classic though, or you want? Yeah. Mm. Mm. Classic, new. Oh man. You know, for me, it's probably got to be a classic. I think I said last time a C107, they were relatively affordable um, and they look kind of cool and they kind of perform like a modern car should. Yeah, um, yeah I still like those. Um, yeah, they're still pretty cool. But, you know, the old BMs, man, I'm older now. So old for me is still 70s and, you know, it's creeping into the 80s, but old is 90s. It was my yeah. um, it was my 30-year school reunion the other day. And I couldn't believe it. I was I was furious. I thought they'd yeah. made some sort of calculation error. I thought there's no way I've been out of school 30 years. Cheeky Crazy. bastards. But it turns out I had been out of school for 30 years. And uh, and uh, yes, yeah, so 1993. And you think, well, actually, yeah, that's 30 years old. That's quite an old car. But to, but to my mind, you know, my first car was a 1986 Mark II Golf. Yeah. And um, one of our clients has got a Mark II Golf. And for him, that's the classicest car he's got. That's the oldest, classicest car. And I'm thinking, that's, but that's... That's not that of, old. It's kind of a funny marker that, isn't it? Because like, I think we all, I definitely, I sort of draw the cars I saw as my childhood and then when I started driving and stuff, which was a bit late. Um, that for me is like ground zero, but that's modern. So that will always be pseudo modern to me. Like a contest for me. Because it's like, that was new. I remember that being new. Mm-hmm, it's never going to yeah. be like a classic. Um. And I think we, we all have that point that moves and you look at people with a, they might have a classic car collection, but it might just be like, if they're 70 years old, they're like, nah, this is all modern stuff. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. right. <laughs> I bought this when I was in my fifties. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, no, I agree. I mean, Testarossa, you know, I, I don't particularly want one, but it was, it was on my wall. Contash was on my wall. Uh, 959 was on my wall. Um, those are relatively modern-ish. Yeah, yeah, ish. Have you seen to, um? Have you seen Merlin's Testarossa, Duke um, of London? Uh, a, a bronzy, bronzy, yes. yeah, he's, super he, cool. He's like re-skinned it. Oh, has so, he? Okay, yeah, so okay. I think it's red underneath. He's super cool. But that looks. He lives not far from me, and I've seen it okay. around a bit. And you're, oh, oh, well played. That's a good. Like I would never choose that color, but it looks super cool on that shape. Yes, that's and and for me actually, that's something I really respect because it's uh, it's taking a classic car as well, but then just a little bit of imagination changes it up. You know, I, if my little boy, well, when my little boy is old enough to start driving, I wouldn't want him to get the, his, in what was it, 10 years time equivalent of a Ford Focus or whatever the kids are buying, you know, new. Um, I would I would prefer it if he went and got something that was, uh, you know, like the first ever Boxster, you know, 2005 yeah. Boxster. And I'd be like, that's pretty cool. Because in 10 years, that's going to be pretty classic-y. Yeah. And, um, and, and also kind of safe and, 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 as well. It is safe, yeah, because, yeah, you know, and uh, but try and do something a little bit different with it, like Merlin's done with his car. You know, there's uh, there's ways of tweaking them that is slightly more imaginative than the standard, and that's kind of what we're trying to do with our defenders. You know, I'm not painting them black. I'm not putting carbon fiber bits on the side because that seems to be the modern evolution of those. And you yeah. go, oh, carbon fiber instead of steel. 
Um, no, we're trying to change it up a lot so that it, it you know, we backdate in the dashboard so it actually goes back to what it looked like. Um, but um, yeah, I, you know, I think I, I, I like I like it when people have a degree of imagination when it comes to these things. And, and it's quite, it's a big decision, isn't it? You're you're spending a lot of money, and you're like, I've I could go the safe option, which is the easy one, or the sort of resale option. And yeah, and I don't 100 percent buy that one. Um, that argument that like if you paint it black or grey, it's easier to sell. It's like no, if you do it in a in a brilliant color, like a great color, yeah, it's it's easier to sell. Yeah, uh, well, but if you get it wrong, it's not so easy. You did that with your F40, didn't you? And you know, like I was we saying earlier, you know, people still tag you in on it because it's the only blue one around. But um, yeah, you're probably right. You know, uh, did that make your car more saleable? I would Maybe. argue it would. Yeah. I think versus a, a, another one. Another one another that was, had a similar mint, history. Mint F40 with low miles, never crashed, never driven. Yeah, there's a lot of those around. But um, yeah, and so I've just got rid of my SC. Okay. So like sort of reluctantly, not reluctantly. Um, yellow one. The yellow one. And I miss, I don't actually miss the car because... I think at some point in time I'll probably end up with another old 911 or something. But, okay. but like, I miss having that colour. Yes. Because now I've got a bunch of like blue cars basically. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I like blue, but but that was, that yeah. was a great colour on a great car. It's like the right colour on the right car. Like the, um, the Bimmer you've got downstairs. Oh yeah, yeah. They're like It's like a nice metallic red. The E24, um, that's a complete custom colour. Really works on that car. And you're like, Iron Man red, sick. Iron Man red we call it. Yeah, over the standard sort of orangey, I don't even know what their colour was from factory, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think, you know, there was a slight tweak. We've never done a stock colour on any of the cars. The Aubergine car, the Aubergine 911 we built, um, 05, wasn't yeah, Aubergine. Nice. Wasn't Aubergine, it's, it's uh, you know, it's tweaked slightly. That orange 911 ST um, with the FIA papers, that is is known officially as Faisal Signal Orange, and uh, because it was you know Faisal chose mm. the color and it's tweaked. It's um it's if you put two cars next to each other, they're, they're slightly different. It does suit the car. Um, yeah, I like well, yeah, should well colored cars, nicely colored cars. It just brightens up your day. Doesn't does it? it puts well, a smile the, on the RS6 face. is purple, and I didn't expect that at all. Yeah. It just happened. Really good, you know, good customer, good buddy of ours. He had it, and and I love the fact it's purple. Uh, yeah, it's more fun. It's more fun. Definitely. Um, five car garage, unlimited value. Um, something pre-war, boat-tailed racer two-seater. Okay. Well, yeah. I don't know them enough, but you know maybe something like that. That yeah. little that little Aston I saw the other day, or a Bentley. <laughs> yeah, super cool. Um, it's got to be. A, there's got to be a daily in there. Yeah, and and we're ignoring reliability issues. Yeah, assuming that you've got unlimited sort of funds to keep the stuff running and whatever. New rangey, full fat Range Rover. I've got to say, I do like those. They're pretty. I cool. do like them. Yeah, I, yeah, they they're good. They're good, and I, I have a really I have an annoyance about the seats. Have you driven one? No. Okay, I've sat in one, and I you know yeah, if you, pretty if luxurious. You, but if you want to move the seats, this is such like a minor issue, but like the when you test your driving a car, it's infuriating. You, they have a little seat toggle thing. Okay. But you can change like a hundred million things about the seats. But the seat toggles on the side only do forward, backwards, sort of fore, aft leaning. Okay. So if you press the button, it brings up a display on the screen on with the, all the options. On the giant 43-inch yeah. plasma. So then you get your finger and you're normally sort of at traffic light or driving or whatever and you just want to tweak something a little bit. You put your finger on the screen, you start moving it 
And then after about a second and a half, it just disappears. So it actually disappears before you've finished doing. Tweaking. Tweaking. And then to get it back, you have to start the process again. And it is one of the most annoying things I've come across in a car <laughs> ever. <laughs> Sounds annoying. But other than that, it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good. Yeah. You know, they, they're good things. If you can get insured on them and all that oh, stuff. Yeah, stuff. of course that is the problem. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so full fat Range Rover. Yeah. Um, old pre, boat tail Pre-war something. boat tail thing. Um, Enzo. Stick, Enzo, stick the Enzo yeah. in there, although, uh, yeah, the sequential box I didn't even think about. You know, this is my dream car and I, d- I haven't even thought about the bloody gearbox. So am I a petrol head or not? Yeah, uh, but if you have a vision of a car and you're like, I love that car, then you still want to drive it and whatever yeah. and then if down the line you're like I want something else then that's that yeah sure you've done that journey uh, two more classic 911 yeah what what e- well do you know I love the one I've got you know I've, I've done probably yeah. 15,000 miles on it it's been tracked it's been driven it's been you know crashed into pheasants and that thing as well um, we got and a lot of suicidal pheasants around it <laughs> but um, and that one is what what would you sort of characterize that well hot rod early 911 so pre 74 hot rod and yours is a pre-74? Mm, it's 1970, but with a 993 motor. So was it was like a T or something? It was an E. Okay. Yeah, back uh, before it had a 993 motor. Is it motor, a bit wider? It, it's wider to accommodate the uh, the subframe from a 993. So there were everything on that car was about form over function. Uh, sorry, function over form apart from two things. I deleted the rain gutters, which uh, yeah. looks, cool. looks cool. And I did the central fuel filler on the, on the, uh, yeah. on the bonnet, which I... The reason for it was at the time I had a 550 replica spider James Dean thing, and I loved the central fuel filler, so I did the same on this, and I'm and I'm sort of fifty fifty on it now. Yeah, it's a little bit passe, you know. But uh, in the in terms of like real world usage, is it a bit annoying? No, I mean, although the first time I filled up, I dropped the fuel cap on the freshly painted <laughs> Normandale's paint and thought, oh shit. <laughs> but um, but um, no, it's not. No, it's not. A, it, 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 what I do quite like about it though is that it is a bit of a. Uh, it's it's an event. You know, yeah. so you pull up, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and right and in the middle. And you can of, go left side or right side; it doesn't make a no, difference. Oh yeah, yeah, straight up the middle. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Um, so yeah, that's kind of cool. But um, um, but then everything else on the car, you know, it's got the wide arches because it's got a nine nine three subframe in there. So it's multi link suspension from a nine nine three, and it's significantly wider than a nineteen seventy car would have been. Yeah. So we had to go wide arches because otherwise the uh, the disc brakes are sitting just on the outside of the car, which is not advisable. And um, we changed the front mount so it's fully adjustable and various things on there. So, you know, a lot of work went into that car. Um, and it's a lot of fun to drive. I think ostensibly because it's light. I mean, everything is slow compared to an RS6 if you're dialing an RS6, an RS6 Plus. Um, and, um, yeah, so everything is slow compared to it, but um, but it's light. And uh, mm. that's that's the real benefit, you know, and you, you forget what lightness is. You know, jump out of that car and jump into a GT3 and go around Thruxton and you suddenly go, wow, this GT3, yeah. it's got power, but it's, it's just big and fat and heavy and the door cards sit up around your ears practically and you think, geez, you know, there's a limited visibility and stuff. Um, so, so yeah. So Although if you're spinning backwards towards solid objects, you're probably like, oh, I wouldn't mind if these door cards were a bit higher. <laughs> Didn't cross my mind. I was just thinking, how do I save this? And I had my best mate's daughter in the car with me as well, and she was whooping it up. So actually, fair play to her. Um, I did have to check with her how many times we'd spun, because in my mind, that was like five revolutions, but it was just the one. Okay, dead. Okay, dead. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're good. Sweet. Dump clutch. Off yeah, again. off we went. Um and um, yeah, so a classic 911. We're, we're in the process of building something which hasn't been announced and uh, I'll share it with you at some stage. Sure. But um, 
but an all carbon fiber turbo and uh, we'll do a limited run on those. So, you know, I think that would be cool. Um, one of our LT1 defenders, uh, that's the next car on the list. So I don't know where we're up to now. Probably oh, about that's car number, carbon 19 now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, I think, you know, they're just such good cars. We have that little Safari spec one. I love that car. That's super cool. Oh, by the way, I'm keeping my cars that are in Botswana still. They're still, they're added on my list. So the Series 2s <laughs> and the Willys Jeep that's out there, that gets to stay on there. So in total, you, you, this is my five We've car in the UK yeah. garage. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, I love that little Safari spec car, but the more we develop on these LT1 110s, I think, wow, you know. I probably the, have one of them, yeah. The seats are cool, the wireless charger, you know, all the little mod cons that yeah. you need on these cars. Um, plus the safety, plus the usability and uh, and the drive. And um, I'd have to have one of those. Yeah, fair. You know? So, yeah. Cool. Well, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Dude, it's always a blast, man. Thank you very much. It's, um, yeah, pleasure seeing you and, uh, and uh, talking. Yeah, thanks very much. Let's get on a little pipe round. Excellent. Cheers. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.